let's not ask. Let's, I won't even bother recounting them. If they're a bonus no, matter, we can redo the topic. I don't yeah, care. Stuff, it doesn't, yeah, don't we have all two episodes that are called that, so, you know. Yeah, and plus, I don't think we hit on anything really good. Yeah. I think it was just a lot of bullshit. It's probably like... Well, but, okay, yes. Also, that's everything we do. Yes, thank you. Everything we do is <laughs> bullshit. All right. Hey, everybody, we're live. Welcome to another Flail Forward. This is your host, Rob. I'm joined by uh, Patrice tonight. Hi, Patrice. Hello, Ken Wars with me tonight, with us here. Yeah, hi, I'm I'm making a spreadsheet. Uh, bye. bye. <laughs> it's an RPG podcast. Mark's here. Hi, Mark. Hello. Hello. How's everyone's week been? Has it been good? Yeah, busy but good. Um, busy but good. Yeah, so always lots to do. Yeah. Yeah, lots to you do. You know what, Rob? I've what? been feeling a little burnt out. You've been from all the work. No. Yeah. How, how about that segue? <laughs> I, I, I have also been feeling a little burnt out. This this episode is about RPG burnout. I'm so burnt out on right forward. Uh, yeah, I'm so burnt out on writing RPGs. I haven't done it in a year. Anyway, uh, <laughs> carry on. Okay, That's so actually you've played a game in the last six months. Uh, I played several games. Uh, none of them I have been. None of them. I one of them I have even one of them I've written. Uh, none of them I I have done any real design work on recently. Anyway, <laughs> actually, yeah. yeah. Actually, that, that's not true, because I just remembered, uh, in prepping for somebody else running one of my games, I threw together a Game Master section, like, last week, so I can't just say that anymore. Darn it. Yes. Yes. So you, you threw together, we, okay, so I guess we'll have to do a, a, a podcast about, like, how you threw a GM together section, a GM together, GM section together, so quickly, and, uh, definitely, uh, I assume, actually, probably not. Probably, I mean, no. somewhat deftly, but mostly like in the way that duct tape is deft. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Uh, would I? Uh, do you want to know how I did it quickly? Uh, I it was a PVTA game, and my GM section is just a section of principles and a section of GM moves. It is four page. It is five pages long. It assumes you know what you're doing. Therefore, it's awful. <laughs> 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 that's how I did it in three days okay moving on <laughs> so I think that, that covers our entire GM podcast alright <laughs> bang clip so, one clip in the bag so what exactly do we mean by burnout what do we mean by burnout me oh me yes I will define burnout for us burnout is when <laughs> is when I'm I'm I I I I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. I just, I just like, I'm just, <sighs> like, okay. So every, every thing you do as a designer is a waffling between something you really wish were true and something that is true. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Broader, broader, think broader than what you're just thinking. Um, yeah, keep going up. Um, 
But, but, yeah. but okay, so the way you connect that is by having principles you're designing towards. Yes. Yes. I'll say that uh, regardless of whether I agree with you on the rest or not. Okay. So, so having the principles you're designing towards can really help out until you hit a wall where you're like, I'm not even sure what experience I'm trying to get people to have. Mm. And then it's like, ah, well, let's have a play test. Except right now, kind of hard to have a play test. And it's really hard to have a play test when you don't have a rule set that's going to help you test the thing that you don't know where the hole is. And right. so I am in this section place where I am constantly rewriting a, a, a foundational piece of the game because I don't know what the end result looks like in terms of actual mechanics, only what it does or what it's supposed to do. And I feel like maybe at least two of the things I wanted to do are pulling in different directions and I don't know how to unify them yet. And maybe one of them it involves dropping one, but I don't think so. I think they can both work, but so anyway, mm. it's uh it's it's um without a group of people to like play test. Like one of the things that was really good about the one of the the earlier versions of this game is that it got a lot of playtesting. I was actually able to play test it, you know, fairly consistently, maybe maybe yeah. once or twice a month. And uh at the end of twenty eighteen I was able to run a, a fire session. Um, campaign, which was great. Uh, um, and it was working. It, it was, I mean, at that, and now the game's changed so much that it doesn't resemble those two batches of playtests, like, at all. Right. And it's really hard to design in a vacuum. When I'm not get, I'm not able to be like, oh, I need to bounce this idea off a group of playtesters. Let's see if I can, you know, I'm going to throw together a minimum viable product um, so that we can put something on the table. And I'm trying to do that with myself, only I, don't, I, I, I keep getting lost. Or very in your own hand. <laughs> yes. Just in general, everybody is, but uh, Ashes of the Magi is extremely uh, in your yeah like that game is yeah no no please i want you to finish that thought out loud okay so ashes of the magi is Uh like extreme like how it is written it is designed goal first to achieve a a psychological effect that exists in your head and that you are just trying to convert it so the the so the entire game design process is trying to wire the two together. So you, by definition, have to deep dive into your own mental space to try to write it. So, yeah. Trying so you have, you're extremely prone when you're doing that type of writing yeah. to get it into a situation where it, you have read the you have written the thing. So it's written in a way that's coherent to you, but not necessarily coherent to you know anyone else. Yeah. yeah. Plus, it gives me panic attacks. Yeah, that's <laughs> didn't know about that part. That's not great, actually. Yeah, no, it's, it's, but it, but but also my life's improving. So the methodology I seem to be using is functional. 
I don't know. This is one of those things that I'd halfway say that if your life is improving, maybe you're doing something wrong because the game itself is supposed to keep spiraling out of control over yes. time. Yes, it is, but also you're supposed to be able to hand, increasingly handle it over time. It's just it's spiraled out of control if you, if you do nothing. That's the idea, at least. Mm. But, but that's also like life. <laughs> So it, it, the, the more, it, I, and I had something last night where I was like, oh, okay, what is, what is, one of the things that's been bugging me for a while is like, how do I, how do I limit the number of things you are tracking? Because it's all about tracking like story threads. And it's like, yes, I want the players to have, to be able to start their own story threads and like kind of follow these diverging narratives that converge, um, that reconverge uh, at certain points. And um, there's got to be some sort of limiting factor on that. And it didn't have like a really good design space to put that in even. And, but last night I was like, oh, right. I'm, I, in, in the middle of one of these panic attacks, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. That's what it is. If you're following too much shit in your life, of like if you're too focused on the past and the present and the future, and you're like tra- trying to track like a whole bunch of different stuff, you're you're overwhelmed. Like, and you collapse in on yourself. And uh, and so like, oh right, so that okay, well that solved that problem in the game. Now I know what this things I'm looking at. So there, I can have like a limiting threshold on like the amount of stuff that you can be tracking before you become overwhelmed, and that can do a thing. And now I can design in there. Um, but, uh, the, but now I have another piece and now I'm going to have to go back into, I'm going to have to have something else happen to me (laughs) that's, that's kicking down this stream. And what's weird about this is like, so I'm building out like how you do community stuff right in the game and how that dovetails with um uh picking up practices so that would be uh analogous to professions right so we so uh practice would be something that would give you um some action uh dice and uh a tag of some sort and then if something is uh in that tag wheelhouse then you get a bonus to it right so fairly simple mechanic but like the way it dovetails into communities is communities are where you pick up practices so you can you can join communities, and then the, the higher rank you get in that community, the more available, um, the higher you can get in the, the practice thing. So it's sort of there's this reciprocal effect of you going into um, new spaces and getting new skills. So that that's kind of what I'm trying to model, and I'm doing this. Um, I started uh, doing uh, jujitsu eight weeks ago, which I have now. <laughs> just kind of like panic attack class, which is I just go and I just I just have a panic attack, and I just okay, I'm just gonna do this now. I'm gonna have another one at some point during class, and I know what's gonna happen now, and I'm just gonna ride with it until it stops happening. I assume it will stop happening at some point. My body will just get used to like no more <laughs> doing this. I, I'm okay. It's happened a bunch. I'm uh, I'm okay. Um, and uh that's so there's a kind of so that gave me the impetus to like think of like okay so one of the ways you can unpack um 
you can delve into more um, your character's trauma is by go, joining a community where the practice conf- like allows you to confront that thing. So I would have this. Uh, well, being an RPG nerd, I was bullied in high school. Surprise. Uh, and so there's there's a certain amount of um, uh, trepidation around physical confrontation, and so that's what's clearly that's coming out, and it's I guess enabling me to design parts. But I think that's why it's going slow because I have to I have to actually experience this stuff in order to get a feel for how its mechanics work, and then to simplify them down to a thing that I can use to scaffold something that's happening on the fly. Oh well, God! What am I doing to myself? Well, I mean, it's it's great that you're able to use that experience and channel it into like the game that you're designing. Uh, I think it is really important to talk about what um, stressors exist as a game designer and like your experience there that you're you're using in a creative way to, to channel it forward. Because um, I don't think that it's the kind of stuff that is talked about. It's just um, I don't know as a as a creative and as a designer that there is a lot of stress and pressure and like you said your panic attacks i don't think that's all too uncommon for people to to experience with what uh they're trying to create and how to how to sort of cope with it yeah yeah because you really want i mean i'm in this space where i want it to be good you know it's just like i just want it to be good i want it to be something where i can point it and be like ah i like this right you know and and yeah go ahead no be good I was just going to say that, um, especially now, there is a lot of stress on people. Like the, the global pandemic has changed a lot of mm-hmm. you know, how we're able to to deal with um, our our world space, and there are more things that are on our minds. Um, and like you said, sort of one of the things that I think gets a designer to be passionate about their product is to be able to see it being played, um, mm-hmm. and to be able to to do those play tests and say yeah, there's something here. I, I get to interact with people and I love that experience. And with the lack of that, the lack of that social interaction of being able to just say like, oh, I have this, this cool idea. Can I get my friends together this weekend and try it? It's a lot harder to do that now. And that's just making it even more stressful for game design because there's less incentive. Um, I've been part, I, I started a community of game designers in Toronto um, on Discord. And it was super active up until we hit the pandemic. And it's just been dead silent. Um, and even from the me and the co-creator of the space, it's been hard to find content to, to put out because we are also overwhelmed with what we're doing. And that, I don't know, it's sort of the, the fundamentals of being able to play that game or be able to, to feel creative and comfortable to design games is harder. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think your experience is um, alone, I guess. And I think it is harder for people to feel um, inspired to, to continue their kinds of projects. Yeah, I mean, even even when I took on, um, I mean, I mean, the other game I'm working on, mm-hmm. um, and trying to get that to a point where it's like I got the board game more or less ready to go and then you know trying to do tweaks on that and also trying to bulk out the stuff that i wrote for the uh your rpg version all right the mechanics are actually largely done which are pretty good um 
I need to do some some stuff for the GM and like the sandboxy type stuff. But I think it's going to be like a um, it's going to be it's going to be West March ish ish. Uh, right. I, uh, you know, I think it'll be a very uh, uh, some uh, kind of game where you can have um bring a character around and like have a, a staggered level group and not Ooh. have because uh, death doesn't really matter so you can just get creamed like everybody everybody at first level has an ability that starts uh you know when you are killed this triggers this ability happens like you know the 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 dirge gets this thing where they they do a banshee keen that does a bunch of damage and whatever you know so Mm -hmm. the idea of like having characters that that die but you keep those those spirits continue on they inhabit your body and then there you are you're gone um I, I I like that idea, but that's that's that game is something that like it just needs to be. It, you know, I've done the work on it, but it needs to be played. Like it doesn't, it just it just hasn't. And I don't like man, I hate running games online. It's such a chore. It's it's so mm-hmm. not fun. Uh, like I've tried to do it. I've played games online. It, it's it's um. It doesn't. It just lacks. It just lacks that that that. That interaction that I guess I'm looking for that is foundational to the to what to what makes me show up. Yeah, I, I totally understand that and relate to that. Um, it's just not the same experience, and and that's part of what drove me to the kind of game that I'm designing too. I, I want that personal interaction. I want the physicality of it, um, and it's harder to do now, um, and that makes it harder to get to the project because. It's, uh, just that much more distant from being able to see it at the table. Um, Confirmed in the next version of Praxis, when you get in a fight, you actually punch the other players. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite an idea, Kat. Oh my god. But the physicality. Yeah. Still I don't want there to be tactile consequences. That's a good. That's a good topic. Tactile consequences in RPGs. <laughs> I think we actually covered that once before with that one game where if you rolled the dice wrong three times in a row, you get punched. Yeah, I, right. I have an anecdote of uh, one time in D and D where one of my players punched another player because um, mm-hmm. they, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's fine. Um, what, was so, it like a really solid like head punch or was it like an arm punch? Uh, a solid. Punch. I think it was face. I think it was a punch oh, to the yeah. face. Okay. It knocked the guy backwards, and he chipped his tooth on his way down on the counter. I think behind him. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's there's some game design space there that someone can explore. But uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, how how about you, Kat? Have you been finding it harder to get into the game design headspace, or um, <laughs> have you been handling things lately? Um, okay, a few things I that will coincide with several things that have already been brought up. First off, pandemic basically did not affect me. Like I'm already a hermit. Apparently, mm. this is the. Uh, the position that they exist for is when this happens it's like okay these people are not affected so perfectly fine with the situation however there are other issues like the thing that like 
Rob was mentioning for his jiu-jitsu class. Like, that's basically how I run everything is I go through a phase of I will put 100% of everything into doing this. I will work like, you know, 14-hour days, basically for like two months straight, burnout, and then plateau on it. <laughs> and then I'll burn out and plateau and burn out and plateau. And that's how that works. Yay. Yeah. It's yeah. it's not a good system. I highly recommend not using this system. It does get stuff done, but it's not very healthy, nor is it particularly good for your um, anything social or anything else beyond that. Right. So. Yeah, I've definitely done that and continue to do that, even just in my, my own personal work, where it's like work hard crash hard where it's like I'll, I'll have a bout of intense work and i'm really into it and i'm very focused and then all of a sudden i i get to that milestone and then it's like i couldn't pull myself to do another thing i'm not interested and um I, i've lost that motivation of continuing to grind it out um it's oddly not like that usually mm. i found the issue is i get to the milestone I set up and like, okay, I'm going to force myself to take a break. And it takes about a week and a half to two weeks before I can actually relax again, oddly enough. So like, I don't want to play games. I don't want to spend time with people. I don't want to do anything. It's like, I'm anything that is not spent working after that feels like this is a waste of time. I'm not doing stuff. I could be being productive and i'm not oh man i hear you that's that's totally me that's um yeah, sorry about yeah. that i didn't remember what lenny's question was for my list <laughs> um yeah i get to that point where it's like i i can't this, this is so funny because i'm uh, so i'm gonna go on um a road trip uh, on monday and we're just going to drive down to, uh, we're just going to drive down through a couple of states and meet some friends in a national park. And um, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to take a break, but I'm not, I'm not really making progress either. So it's like, I probably should take a break. Like, you, you know, uh, the, 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 do you guys ever see the movie Pie? About the the dude, the crazy dude, the numbers, the, the stock market thing. They like capture his formula or something like that for predicting the stock market. And it's also like tied into gematria and the, the number of the the number that spells out the name of God or something like that. It's this crazy movie. Um, no, totally watch it. It's great. Okay. It's not. It's not. It's not a really long movie. It's kind of cyberpunkish too. So into that sort of cyberpunkish type stuff. No, yeah. this like, is the kind like, of thing I avoid. Like. The number twenty-seven, I think it mm -hmm. was, was a seventeen. Either way, it was, it was another movie that was twenty-three. Like, it was twenty-three. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Like that one, I explicitly avoided, and I've tried to avoid thinking about the name of it, which is why I fucked it up so bad. Because if I watched that movie, I would be stuck doing that probably forever intermittently. Oh. So this is the kind of thing that no, I'm not going to launch that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so this where we going with this uh, movie pie? 
Anyway, oh, and somebody tells him in the movie, he's working too hard. Somebody tells him in the movie, you know, uh, Archimedes came up with the formula for volume displacement. He was taking a bath, he took a break, his wife got him to take a breath, and the, the thing. And so the guy's like, oh, okay, so what you're saying is, yeah, keep at it, the, 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 the breakthrough will come. He's like, no, dummy, take a break. Take the break is point. And I was just thinking to myself about that, that scene when Mel and I were talking last night and I was like, I don't think I want to go on this trip. Um, and, and, and it's my, my birthday on next Monday, so we'll be it's that, it's that too. And I was like, I would rather just be home working on the book um, and get, you know, try and figure this out. And uh, well, if but, the, but no, it's good. It's good that I'm going. It's good that I'm going. I, I just have to, you know. If it will help you, this is a, technically a form of working still. Positive mental attitude about it. Yeah. See, here's something that definitely is directly related to this topic, which is overworking in like game design, like video game design, very big issue there. Like the low end of the work week for most people is 60 hours a week. That's like entry and it goes up from there. This is not healthy. There's like a lot of issues with uh, a lot of companies that use crunch time. Some places use crunch time permanently. Mm-hmm. This is bad management. Yeah. Um, the issue it, is that it's, it's actually not hiring enough people to do the job, and then it's yeah. trying to push the people who are working for you to do the jobs of. Of two yeah, it doesn't, three people. Yeah. It, it doesn't work anyway. Like, what it ends up actually happening, and you can prove this pretty easily. Like, there's fairly good psychological literature on this already. But if you start overworking beyond a certain amount, you don't get a positive return on investment. You actually get, you start losing more than you're gaining. So, mm-hmm. like, maintaining 60 hours a week can be done that seems to be about actually the limit once you start creeping over that even by like a little bit it starts falling apart pretty quickly like you can maintain 70 hour work weeks for maybe a week or two if you go beyond that basically you've lost it like any ex, any time that you put into it, it's like, well, I worked 10 more hours, but I made so many mistakes along the way. It took me 30 hours to fix it all. Right. So you didn't gain any time at all out of this. Like you, you wasted more time than you gained. Yeah. It is a net negative. Like you do need time to rest. And this also goes into things like sleep and taking a break and Mm. talking with other people like doing other things like in the downtime especially sleep in particular your brain actually starts processing things uh unconsciously in a much more effective manner like it it becomes detached it can actually start thinking of things without the solid structure that we've trained our brains to use during the waking hours like we train them to do things like for like in education and such to process information logically and such whereas when you're asleep it's much more intuitive like it'll jump gaps that logic can't do because it's not 
a fully logical jump. It's like, this is too big of a gap. I don't have enough evidence for this to make this uh, connection. When you're really tired, or if you're actually asleep and dreaming, you can make these uh, connection jumps much easier. And then you can go back to it later on and try to process it logically and say, okay, so I made this leap of logic that isn't supported. Can I actually support it now that I've made the leap? And that can actually help you a ton with like your design work or anything or artistic, creative, anything like that. Like yeah. you yeah. need to you need these breaks. If you don't have these breaks, if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not uh, taking break from your work, if you're not, uh, not true for everybody, but if you, for people that it helps for them to, to talk through an issue with other people, not even necessarily to get the other people to provide input. It's just like teaching is described as one of the fastest ways to learn because when you're trying to explain something if you hit a part that you realize you don't have an answer for you can't explain that's where you know you have like a hole in your information mm-hmm. so these kinds of things where you actually rest or you talk through with other people you do anything other than actually just doing the work itself it actually helps with the work considerably more than if you just did the work like just raw perseverance and hard work is actually not a very good system for extremely complicated tasks it's perfectly fine for monotonous repetitive tasks but for complex problems like design issues you need downtime. You can't do it without it. Hmm. Yeah, and you know what's what's interesting? You talked about the um, the that liminal state when you're in like a dreaming space and and you're having those intuitions. There, there's some uh, techniques you can use to etch. So what's going on there is your right brain is doing. So from what I understand, is is doing some. Is, is communicating, uh, your right brain commu- communicates visually, symbolically, and uh, makes relational connections. So that's, that's how it's able to do those leaps of logic, because it's making, a, it's making a relational connection, not a logical connection. Um, and, ow, just smack me over on this. Uh, and... Have it coming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a bad desk, and I must punish it. Um, <laughs> the uh, no, it's actually a really good desk. I take that back. Yes, I love you. Okay. No, see, the desk knew that your elbow was a bad elbow, and it needed punished, and that's why it broke out the bondage gear. Okay, that went a weird. Okay, what was it? Um, uh, somebody, quick, jump in! What the hell was I saying? Totally gone. Um, Uh, left and right brain luminal okay so left brain yeah thank you so when your left brain is thinking symbolically um, and making relational jumps uh, what again your your left brain jump is trying to process that and saying okay what is that 
actually mean? Why did I think of all, why did I have a dream of all my teeth falling out? Mm. You know? And <laughs> I know, that was sound rough. And so, that makes no fucking sense. Um, let's try and pull those together. And what's really interesting is if you train yourself to think symbolically, and and make more symbolic connections. And there are ways you can um, synchronize your left and right brain to talk to each other better. Uh, there are ways to do that. You can Google um, uh, binaural beats that allows so it that plays a different frequency, a slightly different frequency in each ear. So your mm -hmm. your brain tries to make sense of them, and or in doing so, it um, it kind of shuts up enough for your for something that happened, I'm not exactly sure of the mechanism, but it does seem to function. Anyway, at least in my case, I can I can report some very some way better sleep for one. That's for sure. Um, like six hours, like very sound. Like wake up like an hour before my alarm goes off, very rested type kind of sleep. Um, so total. Like that was a, a marked difference. I was like, "Oh, this is weird." Because um, uh, I usually, I do not, I cannot wake up <laughs> normally. And like having a string of it in a row after listening to this stuff, and like, uh, and it was been focusing doing that. Anyway, doesn't matter. Anyway, you can help. You can get, and the creativity also kind of helps a little bit. I wasn't burned out for a while, but I started. Get, I had to get curious about the the game again. I get curious about like what I was trying to get the thing to do. Mm. I realized like I had lost a, a sense of curiosity. Uh, and it, I think, I think the burnout happened to me really towards like the end of February. Um, and like, even it really started culminating like just a couple of weeks ago when I was like, and it was just because like, a, you know, this, like I, I swear to God, the universe is testing me sometimes because like another game a week will come out that's just like a hair off from my concept, and it's just like yeah, another one. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. And like this one was really close. The end time thing where like this guy has um, it's uh, Brian Sinclair, and it's he's the guy who wrote Fate, Person, Death, which I've talked about on this podcast before, which is the cyberpunk hyper detailed cyberpunk on the island of Manhattan. Um, it's like near future. Very cool game. Uh, I could never run it for people because everybody would look at the rule book and go, whoa, no way. Uh, yeah, sorry, it just what that what happened. Um, so, but but <laughs> he's doing this like how about apocalypse things like at the Kickstarter, I, I, get, I get the game, I check it out, and it's like, oh, it's about uh, avoiding the apocalypse by jumping backwards and forwards into the future. I'm like, motherfucker, this is... This is <laughs> This is the closest one yet. <laughs> it's not. It's not exact. It's not identical. It's not like. It's not exactly building a middle out thing that I'm doing, and it's not doing it exactly the same way. But man, it's like it's pretty close. And that's. I mean, that's why I wanted to run it ultimately this weekend. We just. I just didn't have time, so it, it didn't come together. I wish I uh, could have uh, helped out on the playtest, but but I just nah. I uh, didn't have time to read 110 pages and then try to organize something it was just not going to happen unfortunately right um but but it, that that was like that 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 took me out 
for a little bit. That was like, damn, should I even keep trying? I mean, or like the market, it looks like the market's just going to do this. Like Fate of Cthulhu was, was a one uh, that has something similar. Um, I mean, there have been a couple of games that are kind of like knocking on this door. Uh, like uh, this recent one, Stone Top, I think it's called. Um, really nice uh, take on um, on Dungeon World. It's, a re- it's really well done. It's a, a, oh, a settlement development thing. Yeah, I've, I've remember reading that and go and being very turned off about it, how it is a dungeon world like and then going oh but it's actually good and i'm really torn about that <laughs> Basically, yeah. everything wrong with that game is that it's is that it is part dungeon worlds well okay no, that's not my opinion but uh I have, yeah i know anyway, it's not but anyway it has a lot of it's, they're very similar things that i'm doing with like how the, the world construction works in the beginning. And like, I, I was looking at it going, wow, this is really good. And also I'm really jealous, but also, hey, this is really good. And I'm going to like pilfer from some ideas from here. What, what I can, there's not too much that's analogous, but like there's some cool ways they set up um, NPCs that I think might work. Um, I'll try it and see, see, see if, it, if it coheres. But uh, yeah, it's just like a lot of stuff going on that I'm like, ah, I don't know if I can keep trying or somebody else is going to do this thing yeah i got i had i had that thing that burnout moment where it's like mm-hmm. i don't know if i can i don't know if i'm the one to be doing this game and somebody else is doing it. I, I know that's a dumb mode of thought to get in and it's like no obviously this is going to be different than everybody else's because it's got my particular sensibilities and the art that i'm doing having done for it and doing for it um is will be unique no matter what so that's I have that going for me, which is nice. Bill Murray meme. Um, uh, but it's the thing that, that that pushes me to burn out the most, probably. It's just like seeing a game that's good, like that I was like, oh man, I, you know, if I wasn't working on my own version of this, I would kind of want to play this. But even though there, there would be things about it, like I was like, I don't like how this works at all. And that's why I'm doing my own thing, obviously. But but it's still, it's still sometimes it cleaves close enough where you're just like, ah, I don't know if I should keep going, even though I, I know I should keep going. And I, and that's my two brain parts fighting with itself. <laughs> yeah, I don't Not know. necessarily fighting. That's actually something, like, that's actually something I wanted okay. to get into. You kind of moved off it and you went right back to it. So this is actually good. Is oh, good. The thing about the uh, the two brain house, there's, there's, they're not exactly set up the way that I usually think of it, but there is something that's a very interesting Oops. aspect, which if you have like a corpus colostomy, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's basically like a surgery to divide like the two halves mm-hmm. of the brain or somehow disease can cause it to happen naturally basically they don't talk to each other anymore you basically have two separate brains that are no longer talking to one another Mm -hmm. this gets into some very interesting and very weird issues that could actually be handy in this situation see one of the things that they found is that when this happens um since the brain has do actually basically control like different 
parts of the body like you your your left hand literally does not know what the right hand's doing any longer mm-hmm. and you'll get a situation like the left hand will pick something up up and you will not be consciously aware of it because you do not have any communication with the side of the brain controlling it, or maybe the right hand, I forget which side's which. But anyway, basically, your conscious mind will not be aware of this happening. And if somebody asks you, why did you pick that up? The conscious side of your brain will bullshit up the most ridiculous answers imaginable. <laughs> to explain why it's doing this these things that it's not actually doing mm-hmm. rather than just saying i don't know or the the other half of the brain that i'm not con- in uh any contact with is the one doing it it doesn't do that it, it totally is like oh well obviously i'm not thirsty right now that's not why i picked up the drink but i was thinking that in like 15 minutes, I'm probably going to be thirsty, so I should probably get it prepared now in advance. Uh, 15 minutes early, you say? And it's like, it, it doesn't even try to just accept that it doesn't have control of this. Mm-hmm. It comes up with these completely fantastic, in the sense of like fantasy, explanations for why these things are happening like it's like a real-time example of seeing like religion form it's it's kind of weird in some Um, ways well articulated i think is is more accurate there but that's probably a better way to put it yeah Um, (laughs) or mythology or stuff like that maybe um yeah was i mean Sorry, I started reading my show notes. God damn it, I sidetracked again. Um, I have to learn not to do that during podcasts or reading show notes. It's not a good idea. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, brain stuff. Yeah. Um, Sprit brain. When the, uh, it's because the, the right brain doesn't, doesn't use uh, language, you use a symbol, right? So it, it, it acts symbolically, and then you try and articulate what, what the hell is trying to tell you. And yeah, the, the, the left will make up excuses. If you don't know, that's, it's, uh, and then there are disconnects that happen. I, I, I'm not sure this is actually even relevant at this point, but well, it might be relevant to burnout. I, I think it actually is in the sense that when you are, either suffering burnout or near the edge of it, it does start causing issues with using logic and how your emotions start wrapping right. up in uncontrollable ways. And oh, you do right. start to notice I these issues. It was uh, the, uh, the left one brain rationalizes. That's what it does. It's a rational mm-hmm. activist. I'm, Mark, aren't you working on stuff like this? I, yeah. You're, you're right. It is the it is the right side. I mean, it doesn't doesn't necessarily matter for our uh, our topic, but yeah. Or sorry, left side is the the rational one. Rational left side. Right. Is so it's trying to rationalize what what the right is doing most of the time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. 
Yeah, but okay. I think that that could actually be put to some degree of use. Like, there are some things that you can do that are actually beneficial. Like, when we were saying earlier about, like, yes, you need you need to actually take rests. You do need to take breaks and such yeah. because it does allow for these kinds of things to actually be, you know, rationalized properly. I found that like one thing, actually two things that kind of help with this for me particularly, especially in relation to like when I'm getting near to like uh, burnout or I've been trying to think about a problem for too long and it's not getting solved. Uh, there's two main things that work really well for it. One of which is when going to bed, think about the problem while falling asleep. And then basically when uh, it's much easier to come up with uh, creative solutions and ideas for it, but they don't tend to be very coherent. So like I'll write down notes when I'm going to bed, like I'll go to bed, get up, write some notes, go back to bed get up, write some notes, go back to bed. And then in the morning, I'll be like, what the fuck is this mess? <laughs> and try to actually turn it into something coherent because it's like, that's where most of like the really good ideas I've come up with have come from is doing exactly that. And then trying to make sense of what I was trying to say in it because like, the part of the brain that like one half asleep and you're in this kind of a uh, dazed state it it's really good at solving problems and surprisingly and it it saves a lot of the issues like uh getting really frustrated on like i can't right. solve this problem i've been working on this for two weeks and i've got nothing that's what meditation does it shuts up your left brain and it allows your right brain to actually do stuff hmm. It'd be really nice if I could do that. You could, you can. I mean, I, I could teach you how. I mean, I know how to do it, so it's it's quite learnable. I have had attempts on it. There's a number of issues that get in the way of such. But oh, okay. I'll there, 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 are, there are definitely adjustments and and, and that, that that can be made and you know, a lot of accommodations that that. I mean, I know some because I, I, I'm, I'm neurodivergent, so I need different stuff. So, look into it. I yeah. can totally talk about it probably after episode sure. four. Sure. She'll uh, at least look into it. But I, one of the things that's rough for me is when I forget to do it. Uh, if I don't, if I don't like, I really need to just go back to scheduling it. Like I was scheduling it for a while and uh, that was really good. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, when I forget to do it now, yeah, shit goes sideways. Yeah, it throws you off. If you can mm -hmm. keep a, um, a schedule like that and maintain it, that's the best. You yeah, for sure. You get thrown off and then it's hard to come back to it. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, where, where other, yeah. Oh no! Just saying because you beat yourself up, right? Exactly. <laughs> you like you're like, ah, oh, jeez, I'm sick. I fucked this up again. Uh, right. All right. Uh, yeah. Might as well. well uh, that's uh, another one of the right. issues with burnout as well. Mm -hmm. Is that once you start falling into a pattern of you know be mental behavior where you're like frustrated, 
because of something that went wrong and you didn't finish it, then you can get locked into a cycle of, oh, well, because I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I'm not going to do the thing that I'm supposed to do. Oh, great. I didn't do the, the second thing that I was supposed to do. Right. And burnout, when it starts, is actually pretty minor, but it 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 accelerates really quickly because I've mm-hmm. at least found that it feeds in on itself. Yeah. Like, it's it sounds... A little weird to say, but it has a a positive reinforcement loop. Even though it, there's nothing really all that positive about it, it just well, means that it it's self reinforcing. Yeah. Well, what it is is a it's a it's a reciprocal narrowing. It's very yeah. much like addiction. So what it, what it does is it is you it, your brain is consistently choosing an option that cuts off more options, mm. and it it sees the one thing that you're doing, whatever you're focusing on, has its one option and or it sees one future as its one future and there's there's a narrowing of choices that goes on. Uh John Brady he talks about this quite a bit in his um in his uh relevance realization series, which is or awakening from the meaning crisis series, which is great. I recommend anybody. Um but he he details how the, me- the psychological mechanism of addiction and psychological mechanism of depression and uh, um, a whole bunch of others are are very much this kind of reciprocal narrowing. And so his solution to that is a reciprocal opening where you engage in a positive feedback loop of giving, making choices that give yourself more choices. Uh, you're, 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 the, the negative feedback loop of the reciprocal narrowing is a, uh, is a relinquishment of agency to the thing that you're, that is cutting off your options. And then, so then you are taking back agency with, um, the reciprocal opening, which is the same thing that opens you up to more things, more, you open yourself up to more experience. This is what part of partially why I'm going on this, on this vacation to the desert, which I don't really like, but I'm like, Okay, I'm going to do this because I am going. There's going to be an experience here that's going to be valuable, and I don't know what it is yet. But uh, you know, I am going to just sort of let it happen and be open to the possibilities and see if that something good might happen. And doing that with a degree of that, I don't, I don't even know how to describe that thing, but that, that seems to be. I mean, he describes it as wisdom, like that the reciprocal opening is the thing that opens you up to more good actions, like that, not good in the sense of authoritative, I know what is good for you good, but good that you would designate as good, right? If you were to choose between action A and action B, and you would choose action A, except that you consistently do action B, um, because, you know, the result you want is at the end of A, but you keep choosing action B, and you don't know why. Your his conjecture is that you're making unwise decisions, literally, and so that's. But how you combat that is, we don't know. We don't have a really good psychological grasp on what aspiration is. Like, we don't have a theory of it. I don't think. I don't think anybody has a theory of aspiration. It's it's uh, something that really people have to see something better. 
and then imagine it for themselves and then imagine a pathway to it. And that part of what you covered actually makes sense in yeah. in a no, I mean in the sense that like the opening and the closing of pathways. Mm-hmm. I mean I think just from what you've just said, it actually makes sense if you think of it as when you open more options for yourself, you are giving yourself agency. But if you have too many options and you don't know what to do with them, yeah. and you're already overwhelmed and panicked, then the mind probably is going, well, to get agency, as in get control of the situation. Let's remove anything that's erroneous and is overwhelming me focus mm-hmm. to a single thing that i can focus on yep. that way i can actually fix this one thing and that way i have some agency because i was able to do one thing properly then we can move outward from there right so, so this would make sense yeah yeah and it'll, and and that's the sort of the the adaptive nature of your Perception is the thing that allows you to do that. So it's the thing that allows you to zoom in and zoom out, zoom out, and to see, to see things and see through things. So if you need to see something through a different lens or through somebody else's perspective, you know, rather than just seeing the person or the the thing, like you know, take take glasses. You can take put on glasses and see through the glasses, or you can take off glasses and look at the glasses, and you can see the world through uh, a lens of depression or take off the glasses of depression and look at the depression itself and be like oh what is this thing doing or how is this working is this you can pull back and that adaptive perspective shift is what i think allows you to uh to zoom out when it's necessary and zoom in as you were saying Patrice, when it's necessary but that's a really good way of um i don't know that 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 seems to be his sole suggestion to avoiding the thing that is around is something is is similar to that reciprocal narrowing where you're you don't see how you can move forward because you're you've already sort of pruned all the options it mentally mm-hmm. and you're not looking for new ones in some sense. You're 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 <laughs> you don't even I, think there might not be any or you're you're you've given up in some sense. I don't know. There there's and maybe you haven't zoomed out far enough. I don't know. Now I'm just working through this in my own head like there's another one that I want to mention that also kind of stood out. Like when you were mentioning like the A, the A, B fork in the road, mm-hmm. there is already um, some stuff that's actually been studied on that about like that might actually be very relevant here. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, the example that was given was say that you're driving on the road and you come to a fork in the road. And every time you come to this fork in the road, you end up taking the wrong one, which is kind of weird because you think you'd learn, but you don't. There's actually an actual reason for that, and it's that when you get to the fork in the road, you look at option A, and it's like, I don't really remember anything about A. B seems kind of vaguely familiar, so we have the preference Mm -hmm. to go the path that 
seems recognizable, so you go down path B. Five minutes later, you see a landmark, and it's like, oh, shit, I went the wrong way again. <laughs> but because it was it was five minutes down the road that you see the landmark, and that's the reinforcement that you've gone the wrong way, it's too far of a distance for you to make the connection of choosing path B and this being the wrong path. So every time you come back to that fork in the road again, you're probably going to take path B again the wrong way and screw it up again. So mm -hmm. this is a self-reinforcing uh, action because every time you get to it again, you reinforce the memory of, oh, well, there's something interesting about B, I think. I remember mm -hmm. B for some reason. Why do yeah. I remember B? Because every time you go down this fork in the road, you took B again. Right. So, that's, the, that's like the two wolves thing. They, that, that's the that, uh, American story. I'm not sure where it comes from, but it's, uh, maybe it's apocryphal. Even like the, you know, you have two wolves inside you, and the the wolf that's bigger is the one you feed more. So there's the, so many variants. On right. That yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But no, that's right. You you get what you do in some sense. You um and so but and then familiar things and familiar patterns are the easiest things to do so your you know your your whole self your psyche your 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 body your your how you relate to things um uh all sort of follows familiar patterns because those it knows those to be safe so and and there's already neural pathways associated with said pattern so it, yeah like you're right it, it keys into something that you recognize and so that's that's safe and yeah it, it, the, the, i'm noticing the more i try and push out my comfort zone and make choices i'm like i don't like this but i'm gonna do it and i'm gonna have a positive attitude about it and close one eye and maybe it'll be good um and that that seems to help that that's the <clears throat> that's, that seems to help it depends because if you push outside your comfort me, zone but... well the issue is if you push outside of your comfort zone and bad things happen mm -hmm. it heavily reinforces that comfort zone's there for a reason yeah yeah that's 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 and it, that's yeah that is absolutely that can absolutely happen that definitely happened to me uh and then uh i just go and do it again anyway that seems to be the only solution. <laughs> that, that, that's it. That's it. If I know something, if I know I want a certain option and it hurts, that means the growth is happening. Because that's what that's what that feels like. Not all pain is gain. No, Do you remind no, yourself it's of that? It, it, absolutely not. Yeah, no, no. You can definitely overexert and push yourself too hard. And I'm definitely guilty of that too. That's a hundred percent a thing I do. Um, that's a burnout, right? That's that's the that's the you you shove yourself way past your breaking point because you're like, no, I can do it, and you go, I'm on my fiftieth Mountain Dew of this particular Mountain Dew run, and uh, I I I'm I think the screen is vibrating, but it can't be. It can't be. <laughs> I think I can see the hertz moving, um, but but. Yeah, it's you can push yourself way too hard, and, but it, there's also there's the and and I'm guilty of that too. I'm definitely I've definitely pushed myself into places where I thought I was 
my comfort zone was was going to extend out and like kind of bubble me a little bit and be like, oh no, I can handle this type thing. And it was like, no, this is way too much. Um, and then well, you got to pull back. But I think you still have to shut, try and shove the boundary out to the extent that you can manage. Like in a time like that seems to be the only thing that helps. I mean, for me. So there, we out. That is, yeah, this is actually kind of important though. Is mm -hmm. Your mind, in a way, does work a lot, work a lot like how a muscle does. Like mm -hmm. if you're if you're doing muscle training, you can't just be like, okay, I'm gonna lift so much that basically I I completely ruin all my muscles, and then it takes like six months of physiotherapy to repair them so I can walk again. It's like that's not that useful of a of a choice. Like going too far not good but if you don't go beyond a certain point you don't get the growth like how muscles actually build on top of themselves is like you are tearing the muscles slightly uh -huh. like it yeah. is being damaged and your body's like oh shit obviously this wasn't strong enough so when i repair it i'm going to repair it stronger than it was last time so that it's strong enough to deal with this new situation so therefore yep. you get a little stronger so you have to do things in little stages and then give yourself time to heal. Yeah. And that I'm pretty sure that makes perfect sense mentally mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hormetic stress is what that's called. Google that term. And uh, that's, that's something that you can put your body through your, I mean, that's what you're doing to your brain when you're studying basically. It's just trying to cram it with a shitload of information. Uh, and that's a kind of hormetic stress. I mean, obviously, you can know, any stress can be overdone, right? And turn into distress. But there is eustress as well, which is the, the positive stress that helps you grow and helps you uh, helps your brain literally make new patterns. You know, so there and and that's people have different tolerances for that. I'm sure you can extend your your tolerance for eustress and and for hormetic stress. But I mean, I, I do that with cold baths, like I. Just every morning, I, I throw the shower to as cold as setting, which in Portland is pretty damn cold uh, <laughs> during the winter. But I do that for, I try to go for at least uh, three minutes, if not five. Um, and just, just so my body knows who's boss, basically. <laughs> and I just stand there. I'm like, I, I can deal with this. I'm breathing normally. Yeah, we're good. good. I heard yeah. that's a good technique. Uh, yep. What, um, what sort of like practical advice could we give other uh, budding game designers to confront this kind of burnout? Like if they're feeling like they're in a similar space as some of us, um, where they've put a lot of energy and time into their game, um, but they just can't get themselves to do the next steps or go the next mile, what would you recommend? I mean, I, I would say just try and find what you're curious about in it. Mm -hmm. You know, what was the original problem you were trying to solve? Did you solve it already? Or is it like still there? And if you did solve it, or if you didn't solve it, um, just get one layer, go one layer up or down uh, and see if that makes less or more sense. Like, is, right. it, is, is, it, uh, is it just a mechanical thing where you're like, you're not putting, you know, you're not checking this box when it should be checked and maybe you should check the other box over here and maybe that totally fixes the flow of stuff. Um, or is it like one, is it a conceptual layer up where you're like, these two things don't even make sense and the reason this isn't working is because players don't find it intuitive at all. 
you know, it, it's, right. but get curious. That's, that's, that's the, that's the thing I'm trying to say is trying like, just be like, huh, this is, this is interesting. Why, 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 right. why, in a constructive why, not a why, not, not the, why, <laughs> right. But more just yeah. reminding yourself yeah. of what got you interested in the first mm-hmm. place and how can you find that? Um, yeah, that motivation again that yeah. it brought you to where you were. Yeah, yeah. Because we all we all came to this with a question of some kind. Like it was like, can this be done, or is like, would it be fun if the or or conjecture? You come with a conjecture. You're like, I mean, you know, when you design your like first game, generally it's like, you know, a dice system, or it's a take on something you just played, and you're like, oh, I think I can do this better. Right, right, and then you know you go through the I think I can do this better phase, and sometimes you get stuck on that phase because you have a very supportive group of people around you, uh, and they know you and they know how you write and they can account for your your style and idiosyncrasies and all that stuff, and you're like, okay, cool, I've designed a thing, and then you present it to uh, the wider group of people and people go what is this exactly uh and then you go wait no i thought this was this made sense and they go no no it doesn't and you go but why ah (laughs) why does this not make sense to other people what am i missing and why am i not achieving the 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 experiential effect that i'm looking for you know Uh, Mm -hmm. and and that that's uh, or why does this not make sense? That's you know that was something that when I when I brought uh, one of the quick starts to uh, Reddit like you know like twenty I don't remember when it was twenty he must have been twenty eighteen yeah uh, and uh, it got like hammered and I was like oh shit okay I really <laughs> I did not I okay I need to step back and rethink a whole bunch of stuff and that was the first big that was the first big rewrite where it was like okay i got i built this game i thought it was like a complete functional game and it does i know it works because i play tested it and people ran but like clearly this is because like i can explain things to my friends and they get me and you know when i show this to a wider group like the reaction is 180 degrees and so i had to like that that helped design my design like because I got curious about like why this was not intelligible or you know why people thought this was not functional. Uh, but yeah, that, that helps a long explanation. Yeah, get curious. I think the most important thing out of what you said is actually the issue of really why are people suffering burnout in the first place? Mm. Because mm. like that's like the curiosity part is helpful for getting it back in a lot of cases, depending upon why are you having burnout in the first place? Like, why is this overwhelming you? Why is this to a point where you don't want to do it anymore or you're trying to, you do want to do it, but for some reason you can't bring yourself to do it or, you know, there's so many different variants and variations on burnout. It's not just the one thing. It's more of an umbrella term that covers like mm-hmm. a lot of different things that all kind of lead to basically the same place of 
you're not doing what you want to be doing or it's really frustrating you or whatever to be doing the thing. So mm -hmm. what exactly is going on? Why is it going on? And if you identify those things, then it's much easier to focus on like the actual solutions like you were given. Like, you know, being curious about something, that's actually like a really good fix for a lot of types of burnout, but not all of them. So yeah. try to figure out what's causing your root issue. Once you know what the root issue is and why it's there, then you can choose the appropriate uh, solution to fix it because there might be several different root causes that can cause the same symptom. You can't necessarily just treat the symptom because treating the Good symptom point. doesn't doesn't necessarily make the the base problem go away and if and sometimes treating the symptom can actually hide or mask like what your actual root problem is and that's a large part of like team design and problem solving in general is figure out what the problem is isolate what's actually causing it and try to fix that first so that it doesn't cause the symptoms at all in the first place. Right. The, the, I think both of those approaches sort of have something in common, which is to, to take a minute to like take a step back um, and just reassess, like just looking at either what's causing the burnout or uh, like Rob had said, what is the, the inspiration that brought you to that point? Um, and I think sometimes we just get really roped into what the task is at hand that we kind of lose the sense of perspective of why or how or um, what what we're trying to aim for. So I, I think in both of those cases, it's having a little bit of a refocusing your perspective and whether that's in terms of like taking that, that break, that step away, or just to have a, a sit down, like this is your work session, but you're going to spend it on remembering why you're doing this. Um, I think mm. both of those are great for mm. getting out of that headspace that is the negative um, burnout mental place. Yeah. yeah. I think in particular for, depending on how far you've gone down the burnout spiral, because it does get progressively worse. Like it will be <laughs> yeah. on itself in most cases. Yeah. Um, it's totally okay to, to actually take a break. And sometimes you might need a break to to clear your mind before you can actually, you know, deal with either of those potential solutions. Like even just trying to figure out why something is the way it is. If you're not in any mental state to do that, you might actually need to take a small vacation, like maybe even a longer vacation. Like if it takes a month or two before you're ready to even start thinking on this again, yeah, that's a really long period of time. It'll break you out of, you know, certain habitual actions that will take a while to build back up again. Mm -hmm. it, it might be hard to get back into working on it again, but sometimes you actually need to have that, that, uh, that gap where you're not actually actively working on it, where you just push it aside, say, okay, I'll, I'll deal with this later. I can't deal with it right now. I have to fix like the mental state or whatever, just get myself out of the burnout state period. And then I can worry about what caused it because sure. while you're, while you're really deep in the burnout state, 
there's not a lot you can do about it while you're that deep. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, you know, that you 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 can also another good, good good thing to do is to just get some support. Go go seek some support. Get support yeah. support from your community, family, friends. Like that's a really good place. Like talk, you know, actually describe the problem to one of them. That can help. Like that, if you're burned out. And you're like oh, I'm stuck in here. Somebody might say like, well, what if you try this? And you go, oh. Oh yeah, what if I yeah. try that? Exactly. You know, it's and, much better if they do my job when. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a cat war on my rubber duck sometimes. <laughs> and I just go, "Why? What am I? God damn! What?" And he's just like, "What if you try this?" I'm like, "Well, of course that would work. <laughs> do it like that, cat war. Thank you. But now yeah. I'm going to try it. Yeah. No, so, yeah, it, it does help. It's a good point to also just." Um, seeking help from other people either people yeah. that you you know and trust or if you already speak with a, a counselor or you're like considering that that those are also good people to talk to even if it's it doesn't seem like a big issue that it's your sort of hobby to, to do game design you're feeling mm-hmm. burnt out i think it affects um a bunch of aspects of your life that you're you're feeling this way about something that you're usually passionate about so i think those are always like great resources to tap into as well for sure for sure yeah Totally agree. Uh, Kavar, anything to add on, on this point of um, techniques to avoid burnout or? Uh, stop caring? No. Uh, sorry, that's mm. the wrong answer. Um, <laughs> well, listen, hey, somebody had to bring up Niles at some point. Hey, that's why I does solve the problem eventually. That is how I saw. That is how I solve uh, when I'm completely burned out on a game, or I don't see a way I'm going to move it forward. If I, mm-hmm. if it comes to me randomly and when I, when I should be doing other work, then I will return to the game. But if not, it's the game can just stay buried, and I can move right. on if I want. I don't have to. I do not have to build everything I intended to build. Sure, and that's fine sometimes, but but. That's not actually a solution for burnout. That's just it is. kind of a I mean, decently yeah. related. I mean, yeah, it is an option. Yeah, it's a solution. Some people might argue that it's not a solution, but it it is potentially a solution. Some yeah. cases, you know, cutting your losses, saying, you know, I don't really need this this badly. This is more of a frustration than it's worth to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, that That's is exactly right. like, at, at some point, instead of beating yourself up over it, mm-hmm. uh, it might be worth saying that, like, that the change of perspective that you need is just to say, you know what, I'm, I'm done, I'm gonna leave this behind. And if it calls to me again in the future, then that's great, but I can at yeah. least just stop caring about it so much. It, it's not the, the most important thing to me, and I can go on with uh, a new project or something else that is calling to me. Um, I mean, there are there are fallacies of like the shiny new idea that kind mm-hmm. of keeps coming up. That you, if you perpetually chase that, you'll never really get uh, something done. But I think there is something to say about cutting your losses in a way and just saying, "Okay, this isn't this isn't working out, and I, I want to try something new." Yeah, so, had definitely happened to me when I when the, on, uh, after the the first uh, like the, I when like, I got the feedback and was like, "Oh, this game doesn't work at all, really." Right. I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna drop it then. Uh, and I went. And I worked on something else for a month, uh, and then I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe 
maybe if I change this, this, and this, and make this simpler, I can, I can, I can salvage this. Um, and yeah, you know, that can happen, but you don't know, you never know. You never know. So sometimes, yeah, when you're in a point of frustration, it looks like something actually doesn't work. It, it might be because it really doesn't work. And maybe the project's not dead, but that particular design is. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You know, that's that iteration. That's okay. Yep. Um, you know, so there, there are, yeah, there are definitely times when burnout happens because you are trying to shove an idea that actually isn't good. Or you're trying to make it work and you get like, People keep giving you feedback like, no, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. And it's like, okay, maybe you have to toss the approach and try a different approach. Yeah. But, I think, I think yeah. a lot of it comes down to like what your actual motivations are for doing something as well. Sure. Yeah, which is why yeah. it's easier for me to say that than the rest of you because my motivation is it would be cool to play this game and I don't like how anything else that would handle it will handle it so I'm just going to invent something and if I can't invent something well that's not a huge deal to me but you're trying to actually build something beautiful and elegant and true and I'm <laughs> you know sort of, sort of. It, it, it depends though like the, the reasoning even that like why are we even trying to do that like for me, I've found that the main reason I do pretty much any of this is because I want something that other people can enjoy or can benefit from. So one of the biggest things that I found if I am getting really close to like burnout stages is show it to somebody new that hasn't seen it before, get excited showing it to them, see them mm-hmm. like so what you're saying is I, happy about So what you're saying is I should show my terrifying uh game that I couldn't figure out how to make work to Sabrina. So that <laughs> Yes you should. Yes you should. Is that your motivation? <laughs> okay. It doesn't okay. sound like it, but stick it out of the closet. Uh for context for those of <laughs> you well, yes please so yeah, I know. I'm going to have to do that later. But yeah. for context, for those of you who are new to the podcast or like don't, aren't extremely in our server, uh, the original thing, the original game I was uh, like working on when I joined this podcast before it was a podcast was just something I couldn't figure out how to make work. And then I like, I discussed it with these people and it didn't end up in a state where I figured out how to make it work. And, but I, you know, got concerned with doing other things because it's really weird and high concept in silly ways, but I really <laughs> want to see if I can make it work. Mm-hmm. So I figured throwing it at a bunch of game designers would be the best way to try to get it to work, but that's just not how I do that's game design. That's not always how that works is the issue because like game designers have their own very specific ways of doing things like one thing you'll find is just if you get creative people of any particular creative persuasion you can show them something and they might be able to set things up so that it meets their personal preferences but it doesn't necessarily mean Mm. that it's going to match your preferences or your goals like if you hand it to somebody that's not you they're probably going to end up changing the basic nature of what it is on a fundamental level 
Yeah, and that's that's why getting the perspective is nice because then you can see what direction some people would take it. But ultimately, it's it's your game, and no one's going to have the same approach that you're going to have. So uh, it's useful to talk to other game designers, but um, you can't just take every piece of advice that you get. Sort of take it as an aggregate, see what people are saying, are there trends, are there Mm -hmm. things that you that resonate with you and your vision, Um, and, and that's how you become your own game designer. Yeah. Um, but if you are looking for game design advice and opinions and talking with us, find us on our Discord channel. Um, like and subscribe. But uh, actually, that, it was huge for me to be able to find a community of people to look at my game and just say, oh, here's, here's what I like about it, and here's what you're doing that I think is really innovative. And I mean, uh, that's, that's great for getting that inspiration. And, and sometimes that feedback can be harsh and hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or sometimes it can say, well, that could like, be useful. yeah, exactly. It's just that that can definitely feed into burnout if you're not in a space of being able to accept that kind of harsh criticism. Um, mm-hmm. but if you are, if that motivates you in a way to say, you know, these are people that have some experience in it, that have tried to make their own games or that have succeeded in making their own games. And I can look to them and their experience for something and, and wow, I yeah. actually resonate with that advice. And I think that's great. And sometimes yeah. that's motivation that you can use to overcome the burnout that you might be feeling. Sorry, I want to do one quick thing. Mm-hmm. I was actually going to take it a different path. Spite is one of the strongest motivators. It's <laughs> so like, I hate everything about your game. Good, I'm going to make it even more like that. Right. <laughs> and I will finish it and everyone will love it and you will hate that it's popular. <laughs> this has fair. totally happened in reality many times. <laughs> so it works for some people, yep. not everyone, but for some people, this totally is legitimate of a method. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Is that speaking from some experience, Kat? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I, I totally get that. And I agree with it. I think there are tons of ways of finding motivation for you to like be excited about your project. And yeah, uh, sometimes other opinions will get you there, whether through uh, converging or diverging from advice. Yeah. So yeah, we've all we've all had pretty, I would say, heavy impact on each other's games. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like I agree, there are definitely things that I've done to Ashes that I would not have done had I been doing this without talking to you guys, for sure. That's good, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of how you... Pe- uh, I'm thinking, like, two of my most recent and most, like, the, the games I'm most happy with that I have produced in conjunction with this podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this podcast, and I wonder, like, how I should qualify that and how much their, like, their design is affected by it. But mm. that's uh, kind of off topic. But uh, yeah, including what I simultaneously consider the stupidest thing I've ever written, and probably the best. And uh, yeah, well, that's that's this is definitely <laughs> the stupidest and best podcast I've been on. So <laughs> yeah, well, I've only been on one, so you know. <laughs> I guess it's yep. also true for the podcast, but that's not really what I mean. Yeah. Well, 
Well, so, I don't know. I don't know where to go from there. Yeah, uh, I, I think we've. I think that's a good place to. Uh, to yeah, like yeah. you know how you said this was probably going to be a partial topic. Uh, we're yeah. an hour and a half in. Yeah. Is there anything else we should uh, ping? Let me let's, let's ping the audience and see if uh, there's anything. Also, Katrice. Oh, I want to wait for Katrice to oh, get back. Oh, hang on. Katrice, come back. You got it. Probably has to uh, get a cake out of the oven. Or uh, cinnamon rolls. Likely oh. cinnamon rolls. Oh, <laughs> shit. That cinnamon rolls place is open. Ooh. Oh. Hmm. I'll give you guys some after this. Hmm. I've been, I've been doing intermittent fasting. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm like six hours into my can't eat anymore window. Okay. Um, which is usually like the tricky part. Yep. Um, and now I really want cinnamon rolls. So <laughs> sorry. It's <laughs> not your fault. It's how good cinnamon is. So yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. But yeah, I've been doing that for uh yeah, a couple of years now. That's nice. Super, super yeah, it's been super good. I, I was uh I was coming up on like two hundred ish pounds and I was like, okay, I gotta do something. And uh, my dad was doing this for um he found a guy called Jason Fung. That was a uh, uh, what are the kidney guys called? Endocrinologist, uh, mm -hmm. and um, he was getting uh, really good results uh, of people uh, getting people with diabetes off of um, dialysis with intermittent fasting. So my dad was tested for uh, positive for pre-diabetic. He was like, okay, I don't want, I don't want to go on meds or anything like that. So I'm going to see if there's something else. And he found this dude in New York, uh, and, uh, followed the program and didn't, yeah, didn't, uh, nice. is not diabetic and, uh, um, and then other, other health benefits followed that that were like semi-miraculous and weird. Like he had a, uh, a dead spot in his leg of nerve damage, uh, from when he was in the army and that healed. Whoa. Like he could feel like in his leg again and he was like i don't know what to think about that shit like i that doesn't make any sense uh but apparently uh so and then we, we and then so i was like okay so i worked for him he, he lost a bunch of weight and um uh, kept it off and was like no i you know this is like once you do it for a little while like it starts getting easier and then your body just kind of adapts um but uh you know what i started out just pushing back breakfast till 10 instead of eating uh like at 8 30. Yep. And that was that was how it started. And and then I you know I felt like after a week or so I moved it like back an hour and then and then you know after like a little longer it was like two o'clock and then I was fine. And that was like yeah. you know uh I would stop eating at 10 have something light at two like some nuts or something like that and then totally regular dinner. Uh like even like pig out at dinner yep. and and be good. Uh, That's like was, me. Yeah, I, I went from uh, two thirty-five to like one eighty-five in about mm. seven or eight months. Yeah. Um, so it's great. It makes a huge difference. And like you said, I don't need to change like what I'm eating so much. It's just mm -hmm. starting to have breakfast a bit later, have lunch a little bit later, and supper earlier. So I do everything within a six-hour window, and okay, it's great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. However, however it works for you, like mine, mine's different. But like, yeah, it's just whatever, whatever comfortable. Like, I know, I know somebody that um, they just do dinner and breakfast, and they yeah. just yeah, and you know, and that's like that's their thing. And like, so everybody's finds their comfortable 
thing and that like that seems to be what works and uh um yeah it's it's been it's been good I, although you know um it can cause in in women it can cause hormonal issues mm. so uh if you do it and and you're trying to get pregnant uh it can force all that if you're if you lose a lot of weight because what you're because your body basically goes your body i'm saying her but the, the uh, your body basically goes into um, uh, ketosis, and then what what happens is is the hormones are like, oh, okay, we're in a fasting place. We're not going to release the hormones as much of the hormone that would lead to pregnancy, and uh, it dials that back. And this is because Mel was doing intermittent fasting also. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, when we started trying to get pregnant, um, uh, it wasn't working out. And we were trying to look, and she found this um, this book by uh, this doctor that explained how various um, uh, diet patterns affect hormones, and was yeah. So that's, that's, that's the thing. So 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 it really it works for women to a certain point, and then you have to apparently level it off. Um, so it's not something you should uh, apparently. This is uh, again, I'm not I'm not. But this is what I was told uh, by my wife, who was who was kind of doing this. So she, she the, the advice was like, you can do this to get to a, a healthy weight, and then taper it off, and then just sort of do it as needed. But it shouldn't be like an all the time thing, apparently. For women, mm. yeah. or, or people. Let me let's not say women. Let me say people with those kind of endogenous hormones, because that's really what's that what's. What the, what the factor is there? So if you have if you produce those endogenous hormones, um, and uh, uh, you're trying to do weight loss or intermittent fasting, it can interfere with that. And but I don't think if you have if you're getting hormones from anywhere else, I don't think it makes a difference. So okay, yeah. so uh, we're pretty thoroughly off topic. Oh <laughs> yeah, totally true. true. Say before we end the episode, mm, nothing actually at this particular moment. Okay, so we talked for an hour and a half about burnout. I'm not sure if we said anything useful. Well, okay, we said a lot of useful things. I'm not sure if we actually uh, like we, we said useful things that were useful to us, and maybe that's yeah. useful to somebody else. Hopefully, yeah. one, one time. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And good night, everyone. Thanks, good night, everyone. Good night, night where you are. Night, night. Night, night. Uh, stop. Nice. Yeah. It was, it was super fun. That was, yeah. I think that was really good. Uh, that was good. Glad we got to cover it. Yeah. Yeah. Me, uh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Thank you all. That was, that was a good topic to get off all of our chests. Yeah, exactly. So I think we've all been kind of feeling some of it, or at least I know I have. And oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. Okay. I mean, this, I mean, this whole thing has just been like the, the bananas ride into a strange hellscape of a planet. I mean, geez. For sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, like what? I mean, everybody who's like still employed is like lucky. Like, yeah beyond imagination right now so i'm just like i'm i'm happy that we're good i uh i'm just grateful that nothing really shitty has happened right like personally to us i mean something yeah some shitty things happen but like, yeah like it, it you know it's all stuff we can handle and uh uh you know like feeling 
coming in, whatever the fuck is fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stuff happens, and but we're we're rolling, and good. so yeah, it's good. That's good. What? Uh, I'm not going to leave. No, you did not. Oh. <laughs> no. You're We're the only still. one who has the consequences for that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I got the 